Amen. Hey, once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cult, and the Occult, number 16. Jan, which is it? You can do it, dude. Come on. Jan, Jan. Hey, give it up for Jan. That's right. That guy, I tell you what, he eventually got a voodoo vampire in the rise of demon worship. That's right. And uh, just to recap where we've been so far, because uh, we've been a ways. Uh, first of all, we dealt with their existence, the character, the tactics, and the last several times we've been dealing with the history of demon worship. To hopefully answer the question, how in the world did we get in this mess we've been seeing? It isn't just that witches have uh, impacted our country, but they've infiltrated the church. It's not just that Satanists have impacted our country, but they've infiltrated the church. But now demonic activity is not only all over our country, unfortunately, but now it's even come into the church. How do we get into this mess? Well, we saw uh, it started with these guys, the Romantics, not to be confused with that 80s pop group. Uh, these guys believe that Satan was a good guy. Okay, well, they were influenced to turn from the Bible. That's not what the Bible says. That's the problem. They got off the Bible, right? They were influenced to do so by these guys, the rationalists, who says, no, 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 truth comes not from this book, i.e. the Bible. They said truth comes from man's brain. And then at the same time, uh, where these guys, the empiricists, they said, no, 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 truth doesn't come from the Bible. Truth doesn't come from man's brain. Truth comes from man's experience. And I'm telling you, folks, that's one of the biggest ones today. Unfortunately, that people uh, allow uh, to discern and discover what they say truth is. Okay, but then that led to another lie, uh, the lie of evolution, which further got people to doubt God's word. But then that led to where we're at, spiritualism. Spiritualism, again, is basically the code word. We're going to what? Seek truth from the grave, ghosts, what? but they're not ghosts or what? Demons. So basically, people knew that evolution was not true because God set eternity in our hearts and that we know there's got to be more to life from the goo to the zoo to me and you. And unfortunately, instead of going, we need to get back to the Bible. No, hey, let's start conjuring up demons. But don't call them demons. Call them ghosts, ghosts and loved ones. And that's Abraham Lincoln. It's all, you know, it's demons. And so that's what gave rise to that. Then it led to a weird combo. Uh, secular psychology came along. And this is all going down roughly around the same time. And they said, okay, truth uh, comes, not listen, we're going to understand man's brain and man's experience using not the Bible, but man's brain, man's experience, and spiritualism. <laughs> demons. Listen to what demons have to say. And we clearly saw that was being done by Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung, two of the biggest pillars of secular psychology. They weren't the only ones, but that's who we covered to make the point. Then we saw it got turned into religion. Now, what are we talking about? It got turned into religion. What are we talking about? Demon worship, communicating with demons. Okay, mediumship, spiritism, the things that God condemns. Don't listen to God's word, they say. Listen to the spirits for your supposed uh, direction and truth in life. So he, in Europe, Alan Kardec, he basically got a popular going over there. Then it went international in 35 different countries, still to this day, with the Internationalist Spirit Council. And then we saw, well, how did it get popular over here in America? Well, that was these ladies, the Fox sisters. And then we saw they not only helped spread it across America, they are the ones who helped deliberately. They were invited directly into the White House. And seances and demon activity still to this day has not left that place. Uh, And uh, we saw that with uh, Jane Pierce, Franklin Pierce's wife. Uh, she was uh, invited the Fox sisters to come in and do seances to communicate with her supposed son, uh, which is impossible. Again, what, what's the problem with that? You die as a Christian, you go straight to heaven. You die apart from Christ, you go straight to hell. You ain't coming back. So if something talks to you, if you see something, whatever, the Bible calls that a familiar spirit, i.e. it's a demon impersonating, even vocally, that's what they do, a, a dead person, but that's not the person. It's a demon. Right? That's part of the delusion. That's why God says don't mess with this stuff because it's demonic. 
Well, Jane Pierce did it, but Mary Todd Lincoln, man, she took it to a whole nother level. Uh, Lincoln was even involved in some of those seances. And then we it continued all the way on up even to recent times. Nancy Reagan uh, was huge into occult activity. So was shocker, Hillary Clinton involved in witchcraft. Uh, both Bushes, Bush Sr. and Bush Jr. are part of secret society, uh, which we'll probably get into, Lord willing, if we're still alive and still here in secret society study. Uh, but the Skull and Bones Society, they were not Christians. Uh, and then came, guess who? Is that a little too obvious for you? Yeah, the Obama families. And then came the Trumps who warned us that, hey, this place is a swamp. But what they forget? Based on the research, they forgot one word. It's in a what? It's in a cold swamp <laughs> is what's going on there. Okay, and then now we're stuck with Sleepy Joe. And uh, Sleepy Joe, during his campaign, let us know who he was working with, as we clearly saw there. If that's a Sleepy Joe, tell him to go back to sleep. I don't want to talk to him. Uh, but anyway, last time, then we saw uh, it began to spread to the average Joe, okay? Not just the White House. It began to go all across America, and that was primarily three figures. There were others, but primarily one was this lady, Cora L.V. Scott. Another one was Ashka Sprague. Okay, and then this guy, Pascal Beverly Randolph, who then also began to launch secret societies that we're still having to deal with today. So again, you get into this demonic behavior. You not only encourage people to speak with demons, I mean, dead loved ones, I mean, demons, but they also begin to do secrets. It's all coming from the same root, okay, is, is the point there. But all three of these people, right, Cora Scott, if you recall, and Ashka Sprague and Pascal Beverly Randolph, they all got into a, quote, trance-like state, Remember that? A trance-like state, okay, and then that's when the demons could speak, I mean, the the dead ones could speak through them, right? And aren't you glad that people don't get into a trance-like state today so that the spirits can speak through? Yeah, but see, what you do is you don't say it's demons, right? You get yourself into an altered state of consciousness, but then slap some Christianese on it, say it's the spirit of God, and somehow it makes it okay. Still going on to this day from guess who? Once again, the charismatic community. Let's take a look at this lady. Stacy Campbell, this is the better looking part between Wes and Stacy, and the, by far the more anointed. No, I'm just teasing, but very anointed person. And what I felt the Lord say is that Christianity is a love story. It is a story of the love of God to man. It is a story of love between man and God. And it is a story of love between men and men. And that every time you see displays of God, whether they be prophecy, it is God speaking to man out of his love because he loves the people that he has created. We need to go here and take this part of our city, and it's never been taken before. I was in the room. When the Holy Spirit first fell on David Roos like that, God began to talk to us about a move of the Spirit that would come. But when we were in our 20s, he said that the greatest move that we would ever see would come upon the children behind us, the generation behind us. 
other side. My son broke his neck. I had to stuff it there. <laughs> For obvious reasons. You seem discerning. How did he break his neck? I don't know. This is crazy, folks. That's all this is. You get yourself whooped up. It's either full-on chicanery or you're whipping yourself up into an altered state of consciousness. And I don't discount that you're hearing something, but just because you say it's the Spirit of God doesn't make it from God. And dare I say, the whole time, that's what you need as a Christian to be edified? What about this? What happened to the Bible? Since when is the Bible not good enough for you? Why do you got to do that? It's nuts, but that's what's going on today. But back in the day, uh, we saw that, praise God, people began to rise up and expose this stuff for what it was. And that was Harry Houdini, and who was not only a world-famous magician, but he became even more famous by exposing uh, these people and for their chicanery. Because a lot of them, I believe that they were connecting with demons. They probably did hear voices and things of that nature, but it wasn't from dead loved ones or whatever. But it became such a lucrative business, and still is today, that a bunch of people just went out there and said, I, I can speak to your dead loved one, but at a charge. So a lot of people were making money off it. And so Houdini went around and he exposed them uh, for what they were and their tricks. And again, as we saw, the same tricks are being done today uh, with modern cares media. And they're getting rich, filthy, stinking rich uh, with the same kind of manipulation. They just slap Christianese on it and somehow that makes it uh, okay. okay. Uh, but aren't you glad that that doesn't go on today? Yeah. Okay, but now we're going to get into the uh, uh, last film where we left off, and Houdini uh, worked with uh, some of these guys, and this is the Ghost Club, okay? These guys spread it further, so we've seen how in America, the Fox sisters, they got invited to the White House, it went into the White House, it unfortunately has never left, it spread across America. Well, another group that uh, further uh, did this and got it going into the literary world, the scientific community, business community, was these guys, the Ghost Club. Okay, as you can see there. But before we start getting down that route, let's remind ourselves again, okay, why God is very blunt. You know, hmm, I wonder if God says not to mess with demons. He's very blunt. Don't mess with this kind of behavior, thinking that you're going to conjure up somebody dead, a medium, or a spiritist. In fact, he clearly warns, you go down that route, you're headed for not good times. Okay, but I didn't say it. He did. Isaiah. Isaiah is our opening text here, Isaiah chapter 8. And we're going to take a look at just a... Very staunch warning. Unfortunately, Israel uh, mixed, intermingled with the world. God had blessed them, and apparently God's blessing, and God himself wasn't good enough. They just, I don't know, I need them more. They need to spice things up, and I think that's what a lot of people do. You get People get saved or whatever, or they profess to be saved, and, and they're excited about Jesus, and, but, but it, that's just not enough. I need some high-energy entertainment, I need, and it's just unfortunate. But Isaiah chapter 8, uh, verses 19 through 22 says this, when, when men tell you, God speaking, when men tell you to consult mediums and spiritists, hey, go along with it. Slap Christianese on it and it makes it okay. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. Uh, who what? Whisper and mutter. Did you notice what she was doing? You're either hyperventilating or I don't know what you're doing. But anyway, I thought that was very interesting. Whisper and mutter, right? But when men tell you uh, to consult the mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not people inquire of their God? Right? What? What? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, i.e. God's word, they have no light of dawn. 
distressed and hungry. They will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and, and, and look upward. They will curse their king and their God. And then we'll, they will look towards the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into utter darkness. Now, again, you guys seem discerning. You only figured out that neck problem. But how many guys would say, when you go down this route, you're not headed for good times? Right? I think the key words that give it away, when you try to consult a, the dead, i.e. through mediums and spiritists, on behalf of the living, you're going to end up distressed and hungry, enraged, famished, darkness, fearful gloom, and utter darkness. Kind of gives it away. God's very blunt. Don't mess with this stuff. What are you doing? Right? And again, that's what God says. You, you can almost hear him in the Old Testament saying, Hello, McFly, why would you do this? Right? Why would you consult the dead who last time I checked don't do nothing? Right? If they move, they're not dead, by the way, for those of you wondering. Right? But why would you do that when you can listen, com- communicate directly, learn directly from God himself through the Bible? And that's why he says there, to the law and the testimony. You want to know the truth? Stick with this book. Stick with God's word. Unfortunately, people, I don't know, apparently that's not good enough anymore. Okay? But God says you better stop it or eventually may start out fun, may give you goosebumps on your goosebumps, Maybe intellectually stimulating and mysterious, but you're going to ultimately, it's going to destroy you. And again, unfortunately, that's what this club did, right? These guys further popularized it here in America and abroad, and that was the Ghost Club. That's what they call themselves. Now, again, on the right there, you can see this guy, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay, now he was basically friends. This is, he was a contemporary of Houdini that we saw last time, okay? And believe it or not, they had a falling out with each other. They started out as friends, but this spiritualism that you can speak with dead people, uh, uh, it, it actually broke up their friendship. Let's take a look at that. Houdini had a confrontation and a friendship with Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the author of Sherlock Holmes. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle said, my wife, Lady Doyle, can bring back your deceased mother. During the seance, Lady Doyle went into a trance. All of a sudden, her hand started writing writing, 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 supposedly communicating the message from Houdini's mother to Houdini. At the end, she showed Houdini the spirit writings. Houdini said, wait a second, my mother doesn't speak English, she only speaks German and Yiddish. Then Sir Arthur Conan Doyle said, no, spirits do exist. He showed Houdini a spirit photograph. Houdini says, you're showing me how fairies exist? I'll show you how Abraham Lincoln exists. I'll show you how other spirits exist. It was all camera trickery. Wow. And everybody learned their lesson and said, boy, we got snuggered. We'll never do that again. Still goes on today. But again, you slap Christianese on it. Somehow it makes it okay. Including, that's right, gold dust. Angel feathers falling from the sky, miracle handkerchiefs, miracle spring water, and a whole host of other chicanery. And you know what? Even the non-Christians know this is a bunch of baloney. Let's take a look at that. Unfortunately, it still goes on today, and we need some Houdinis to expose it. Watch this. Have you been settling on not enough? Have you settled on having pain or disease in your body? God doesn't want you to settle. He wants you to receive. That's why Reverend Peter Popoff wants to send you the Miracle Spring Water absolutely free. Because when you receive the Miracle Spring Water and follow the instructions, your life will supernaturally improve in ways you can hardly imagine. Who do you think? 6.5 million settlement. 
$138,000 IRS debt totally clean and wiped from my credit report. She got the miracle spring water, anointed her throat, went back to the doctor, and the cancer is gone. What God has done for others, he'll do for you. Call now to receive this faith-building point of contact and release God's miracle-working power where you need it the most. Call the number on your screen to receive your free packet of Miracle Spring Water. It's time for your miracle. Call now. Financial trouble. Do you need a miracle of God? Well, I want to rush you one of my anointed prayer hangers in the mail, absolutely free of charge. Ever since I used it, my neck stopped hurting, my whole body started feeling good. Not only physically, but also financially. By bringing my mortgage up to date, that was three months behind. Thank I you, Jesus. I'm out of jail and off drugs. He went back to school to finish an electrical course. And now he makes lots of money and takes really good care of me instead of me having to take care of him. BE Landscaping has flourished and the couple's income has doubled. Today, Cloyce has four men working for him. Seeing God's faithfulness has Jenny excited about giving. God says if we give, it's going to be given unto us. You know, and, and, and it's true. We can't outgive God. The more we've given, Cloyce and I have given. And we're excited now about giving. I mean, we can't wait for an opportunity to give now. That's, that's the truth. We love giving. And God just, it just never fails. He has increased us and increased us. And the more we give, the more he gives back. And it's just a principle of God. Reporting from Southern Texas, I'm Paul Petit for Success in Life. And guess what? This is real. This is the anointing and the spirit of God endeavoring to break the curse of poverty and those generational curses off of you and your home and your life and your business. Call for this biblical point of contact and get into position to receive God's best for you and your loved ones. One check for over $50,000. Whatever he say, do, do it. With every bite from this heavenly cake, you'll feel empowered and encouraged to move into all that God has for you. Take the first step to a new life. Call the number on your screen and get your free packet of the Miracle Manna Bread today. Today, take him as your senior partner. Make a thousand dollar vow of faith. And as God begins to provide, listen to me, and as God begins to multiply, that's all I'm that's all God's saying. He will just keep it watered. Don't eat your seed, fulfill your vow. I see money letters coming to you. Oh, I feel the anointing of God, but God that cause miracles to happen in your life. Money! is coming to you. That's right. Miracle money. Divine transfers. I want to show you how to get yourself into a position so that you can receive. I thought I would share with you the glory, some of these signs and wonders that have been happening in my life and happening at this recent conference that I was at where there was 20,000 youth praising and worshiping Yeshua, Jesus, and giving Yahweh the glory that he deserves. So I'm just going to go ahead and show you some of these angel feathers here. And I pray that your faith will be increased by these signs and wonders. That if you have any doubt or unbelief in the power of God, that that would be removed. So the first angel feather here I'm going to show you is a brown one. And it has 
speckles on it. It's white with brown speckles, almost like a like a cow, but it's a feather. You can kind of, you can see that. It's very unique. There's no bird on the planet that I know of. I challenge anyone to tell me what bird this would be. Earlier this evening, some very unusual things took place here at the Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, but let me explain a little bit of background to this. A few short weeks ago, John and Carol Arna traveled to South Africa, where they conducted some meetings in one of the major cities of that nation. While they were there conducting meetings, a very unusual display of God's miraculous power took place. There were individuals who were in that specific meeting that actually received gold fillings in their teeth from God while they were there at the meetings. Show me, will you? <laughs> You see it? Can you see that on the camera there? Open a little wider. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if they, they, they can see your mouth open at least, but I don't know if they could. Now that's the only gold one you had. Are you absolutely sure you didn't have gold before? I called my husband last night because I was so... Yeah, if I had done it, I wanted to make sure, I wanted to have integrity with this, so I, I checked and he said, you never had a gold tooth. There is a large church in Miami named El Rey Jesus, King Jesus Church, pastored by a guy named Guillermo Maldonado. Now, Guillermo Maldonado is the Bill Johnson of Miami. Okay. Okay. And he and Bill Johnson are good friends. Mm. Long story short, there was a lady who came to the conference I was teaching. She came up to me. She introduced herself. She said, I used to be in El Rey Jesus. And I said, oh, really? Oh, she said, oh, yeah. She said, I was high up in it. She said, my husband is still in it. Maybe it's too much. I hope I don't get her in trouble. But her husband is still in it. She got saved, genuinely saved, converted, left it, as you would expect a Christian to do, left the church. And I was talking about some of the manifestations in Maldonado's church, Bill Johnson. Well, anyway, she came up to me. She said, Justin, you know how Maldonado's church has the gold dust? And I said, yeah. She said, that was my job. She said, I was tasked, her and a friend of hers, we were told to go upstairs with canisters of, you can't make this stuff up, with canisters of finely, a real fine gold glitter of sorts. And Hobby she said, Lobby glitter. Yeah. And she said, it was our job to dump it into the ventilation system. And of course, it blew out over the whole congregation. And people thought that that was the presence, the of, presence God. of God. It's crazy. What's the phrase? Say? Those who don't learn their history are doomed to repeat it. It's the same old baloney, folks. That was the Houdini exposed, the spiritualism and all this stuff, the chicanery, the things they did to do people, to rip them off of their cash. 
Unfortunately, they slap Christianese on it. People don't learn their history, and it's being repeated today. And what's that got to do with learning the Bible and becoming a disciple of Christ? Rhymes with nothing, okay? But it leads people astray. It's so goofy and dumb that even the lost know it. It's crazy. Now, let's get back to these guys, the Ghost Club, again, because they helped spread it further here in America and across uh, the pond. And let's take a little uh, look about the, the Ghost Club. The Ghost Club was a, quote, paranormal investigation research organization founded in London in 1862. They traditionally investigated ghosts and hauntings, but they diversified. This is crazy. They diversified into dealing with UFOs. I wonder why. Because that comes from the same root is what you're dealing with here as we've seen in some of our other studies. The club had its roots in Cambridge and uh, where the, quote, fellows of Trinity College began to discuss ghosts and psychic phenomena because this speaking with the supposed dead demons was enraged across America and Europe. And so they said, we're going to develop this, clo- this club, the Ghost Club, to investigate. Now, it counted such people as Charles Dickens. Get to him in a second. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. We'll get to him in a second. And one of the earliest things that they investigated was these guys. They're called the Davenport Brothers, and they're, quote, as you can see it there, the spirit cabinet and their ability to contact the dead. And Lord willing, we might get into those guys uh, in the future. But they, they uh, the Ghost Club, they formed to, quote, undertake an investigation of the spiritualist phenomenon because it was in vogue, and they were there to just gather around and just meet and talk about these ghostly subjects and, and things of that nature. Uh, again, uh, they actually dissolved in the 1870s after the uh, death of Charles Dickens, and again, one of the key players there, uh, but it was revived, wait for it, on All Saints Day. What's that? Halloween, right? So where we get the word Halloween, we dealt with that in a witchcraft study, and all basically uh, Catholicism did was take that high, holy, unholy day where still to this day, it's a, the cyclical calendar of the witches, and dare I say the Satanists, both. And on that day is when they do human sacrifice, not just animal sacrifice. It's sick. It still goes on today, but it was Catholicized. You just throw Catholic terms on it, and it makes it okay. Well, we're seeing you just throw charismatic terms on it, and does it make this stuff okay? It's the same kind of chicanery, right? But it was revived on All Saints Day by this guy... Uh, and these two guys, William Stanton Moses and Alaric Alfred Watts, will probably get into Stanton Moses because he was the one that began to now bring this into the church, which Lord willing will be our next study. Okay, but uh, anyway, so they continue on, and technically still to this day, the Ghost Club. Okay, but let's get back to this guy. One of the major. Let's talk about the people, the underpinning uh, folks behind it. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, as you saw there, uh, again was uh, friends with Houdini for a while before it broke up there. Uh, he was born 1859, died 1930. He was a British writer and physician. And if his name sounds familiar, he is the guy who wrote the famous Sherlock Holmes novels. Okay, he wrote a bunch of novels. He did uh, 56 short stories about Holmes and Doctor Watson. Okay, but. He also had a long-standing interest in, quote, mystical subjects, and his whole life he was just enthralled with paranormal activity, this kind of demonic stuff. In fact, he turned to that and stopped writing books about Sherlock Holmes, but let's take a look at that. Of all the great fictional characters, it's hard to imagine a smarter, more coldly rational one than Sherlock Holmes. Holmes the genius detective sprang from the very special mind of Arthur Conan Doyle. 
Doyle was trained as a doctor and he insisted he had a deeply scientific mindset. But he also believed in fairies. For real. Doyle was born in 1859 to a strict Irish Catholic family. Doyle rejected his faith at school, declaring, Never will I accept anything which cannot be proved to me. So how did he end up believing in fairies? This was all part of the spiritualist craze of the 19th century. Spiritualism started in the U.S. in the 1840s, but soon caught on in England. Spiritualists believed that the spirits of the dead walked among us, and that they were trying to talk to us. Spiritualism also appeared around the same time that photography was being invented, and the double exposures and light effects of early photographs seemed to offer further evidence of the spirit world. Amazingly, Doyle was taken in by all of this. He wanted to believe it, so he did. Doyle discovered spiritualism in the 1880s, and it changed his life. In between writing his Sherlock Holmes stories, he started taking part in seances and joined the British Society for Psychical Research. It wasn't until 1916, the middle of World War I, that Doyle went totally public with his spiritualist beliefs. He started lecturing and doing everything he could to spread the good word about the other world. Doyle announced, I suppose I am Sherlock Holmes, if anybody is, and I say that the case for spiritualism is absolutely proved. Sadly for mystery writers, Doyle stopped writing home stories and focused entirely on spiritualism. Doyle became fascinated by a famous incident known as the Cottingley Fairies, in which a couple English schoolchildren claimed to commune with, yes, fairies. Not only that, they had photos of the fairies. A lot of people thought the whole thing was a hoax, but not Doyle. He doubled down on his belief and wrote the serious, not ironic book, The Coming of the Fairies. He also became friends with the American illusionist Harry Houdini because he believed that Houdini's tricks were real. The friendship eventually broke up when Houdini couldn't convince Doyle that all his magic was just stagecraft. In 1925, Doyle opened a psychic bookshop in London, near Westminster Abbey. The shop was a center for spiritualist information. It also had a publishing company and even had a little museum. Doyle paid for the whole thing out of his own pocket. Wow. So here he was. This guy was all in on this. And the irony is, here's this famous guy writing about a genius detective mind. I won't believe in anything unless you can prove it to me. And then he fell for this. You know why? If you're paying attention to the verbiage there. What really, when push came to shove, what did he determine as a foundation for his truth? His experience. I'm telling you, folks, it's powerful. It's still being done today. You could talk to Christians, professing Christians, people, whatever, and you could say, where's that line with the Bible? But you don't understand. God told me to tell you. No, yeah. where, the Bible doesn't say that. This is what the, this, you contradict. That can't be God. It's contradicting. No, but I had goosebumps in my goosebumps. I had, I, I, there, the, I, that had to have been the angel of God. Experience is still being used today, unfortunately, instead of people lining up their beliefs, and dare I say in the church, uh, and that's how powerful of a delusion it is. Also, Doyle, he not only got involved in this, you're going to see another pattern here is he also was into Freemasonry. Okay? And you're going to see, like, what? Secret societies, Freemasonry, UFOs, uh, spiritualism, it's all, yeah, it's all come from the same root. It's not a shocker. He was a Freemason, uh, into Freemasonry, and... Uh, Again, it's all from the same root, and uh, so again, we're going to see that in, in, in a pattern with these guys. But let's look at the other guy that you heard of. And again, these are guys that were in the literary world, so they had influence. Remember, he had a bookshop. He paid out of his own pocket. I'm going to spread this. 
So again, they're part of getting the spread. The other big literary guy, it's like, where did he get his stories from? Well, you're going to find out. And that was this guy, Charles Dickens. He wrote a ton of books, and he is still to this day, a lot of people read his books, but they don't say, where did he get this stuff from? Right? Uh, Charles John Huffman Dickens is his full name, born 1812, died 1870. He was an English writer and social critic, and he created some of the world's best-known fictional characters and is regarded by many as the, quote, greatest novelist of the Victorian era. His works have enjoyed unprecedented popularity during his lifetime, and by the 20th century, critics and scholars recognize him, quote, as a literary genius. And his novels are still read today, but again, where did he get his inspiration from? Well, shocker, from communicating with dead people. Let's take a look at that. As an adult, Dickens would pen many stories now considered classics, including the ghostly masterpieces A Christmas Carol and The Signalman. He was fascinated by the occult, both personally and as a businessman who knew what sold. He once wrote, My own mind is perfectly unprejudiced and impressionable on the subject of ghosts. I do not in the least pretend such things cannot be. And Dickens had his own brushes with the unexplained to go with that opinion. He claimed to have seen his dead and much-loved sister-in-law Mary in a night vision, and wrote of seeing his then-still-living father by his bed before the latter disappeared when Dickens reached out to touch his shoulder. So, we just thought he was whooping stuff up. It's based on his experience with demons. Oliver Twist, A Christmas Carol, The Cricket on the Heart, The Haunted Man, David Copperfield, The Tale of Two Cities, uh, Great Expectations, The Sigma Man. Also, you mess with demons, what did God say in Isaiah? Things are going to go great! Dark, gloom, despair, agony. You know, it's not going to go good, right? Dickens, quote, was known uh, he, as a heavy drinker. He was enthusiastic about mesmerism, as we saw before, the occult behavior. He cheated constantly behind his wife's back. He had a clandestine relationship with a teenager named Nellie Turnin. He felt, quote, fury and resentment towards his mother, and he used taxidermy to preserve his dead pets, including Grip the Raven which is a part of some of his characters in the stories. Okay, He also expressed a distaste for, quote, organized religion. And who also uses that phrase as a phrase of disdain? Again, I'm not here to just keep picking on him, but it just keeps coming up. The charismatic community. We're not here about religion, stale religion. We're just waiting for the Spirit of God to move. In this. Same kind of thing. Oh, by the way, when you have a disdain for Christianity, uh, dare I say, it's probably demonic. I, I was one of those guys. I didn't just hate Christians and Christianity uh, and mock the scripture and mock God. It was demonic because I was probably multiply possessed. That's why. Okay. So this guy, too, he, was, he had a disdain for organized religion. In 1836, he wrote a, a pamphlet entitled Sunday Under Three Heads. And he defended the people's right to pleasure, saying, and I quote, this is Dickens, look into your churches, diminished congregations, and scanty attendance. People have grown sullen and obstinate and are becoming disgusted with the faith which condemns them to such a day as this once in every seven. And then in the 1840s, he became da, 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 a Unitarian, which is not Christianity. They claim to be Christians, but it's just basically unity all and all religions all paths and stuff. Does that sound familiar? Anybody else know anybody claiming to be Christians that's also pushing that? Yeah, a lot of unfortunate Christian denominations. We all just got to work together. It's the same sewer pipe is where it's coming from. Dickens also disapproved of, quote, evangelicalism, seeing it as an extreme form of Christianity that limits personal expression. Hmm. Interesting.
interesting. So that's two of the big guys of the Ghost Club, right? And they in, uh, were part of the literary community. Now, this next person or persons began to impact the scientific community. And again, with what? With demons. Messing with demons. Where did they get their inspiration from? Well, let's take a look. Uh, the first ones up to bat is these couple, this couple, Pierre and Marie Curie. Uh, and uh, Pierre was born in 1859, died in 1906. He was a French physicist. Physicist, remember that? Physics, remember that word. A pioneer in crystallography, magnetism, piezoelectricity, and radioactivity. In 1903, he received a Nobel Prize in physics and his, uh, with his wife, Marie, in recognition for their extraordinary work on radiation. The radiation phenomenon is called back in the day. Uh, with their win, they became the first ever married couple to win the Nobel Prize, launching the Curie family legacy of five Nobel Prizes. And in the late 19th century, uh, Pierre was investigating the mysteries of ordinary magnetism when he became aware of what was going on around that time, the, quote, spiritualist experiments. Okay? And uh, so he initially, he thought that uh, what he needed to do was do a systematic investigation into the paranormal and could also help him answer some questions of some other things he was working on scientifically, okay? And his notebooks show that he read, quote, many books on spiritualism, and he did not attend seances as a mere spectator just to hear other people with communication of so-called spirits. He saw the seances as, quote, scientific experiments, and he tried to monitor different parameters. He took detailed notes of every observation, okay? And it's a good thing that nobody tries to use scientific terms to repackage this spiritualism and sell it to the church today. Is that good enough sarcasm for you? Did, did I bait you up there? Yeah, we saw this back in our New Age study. And again, this happens to be the pattern here, the charismatic community. Uh, the physics of heaven. All it is, folks, is flat-out New Age. Okay, and uh, this is from Bethel. Okay, it's spiritism, and they've slapped Christianese on it with scientific terms. It's like a science. Now, the physics of heaven and how to do these things and attract this stuff, and it's the same baloney that's going on today, folks. And then this is what shocked me. I couldn't believe it. That book is not only still out there, it's still being sold on, quote, christianbook.com, which is like the top leading thing. It's like, what do you guys, that's the New Age book. That's flat out New Age. They put Christianese on it and tried to make it into a science. That's what the Hindus did. With yoga and meditation, it's good for stress. It'll lower your heart rate. Yeah, it will, but it still doesn't take away from the fact that you're communing with the Hindu deities, demons. So again, unfortunately, you don't learn your history, you're doomed to repeat it. Same kind of baloney. But that's kind of what uh, the Pierre did, right? We're going to explain this spiritualism scientifically, right? And give it some sort of credence, okay? Uh, an- another one at this time that was involved in these, uh, this group was Thomas Edison. Again, we're in the scientific community. The first two guys was literary. Now the scientific community is getting into this. Uh, Thomas Alva Edison, born 1847, died 1931. He was an American inventor and businessman. He developed many devices such as electric power generation, mass communication, sound recording, motion pictures. Uh, his inventions include the phonograph, motion picture camera, early versions of the electric light bulb, and obviously has had a huge impact on the, quote, industrialized world. Edison also had another great friend at this time who actually initially worked for Edison before he went on his own, and that was Henry Ford. Uh, Henry Ford, uh, he was flat out heavy duty into Freemasonry, 
Again, you mess with demons, where do you end up? It's all come from the same root, folks. Okay, in fact, believe it or not, uh, Ford offered a Masonic radiator cap uh, for his vehicles that I guess you could get. But he was a, quote, uh, part of the Grand Lodge of New York. And uh, he received, he went on to receive, quote, the 33rd degree in the Scottish Rite Freemasonry. And Ford even actually said Masonry is the best balance wheel in, that the United States has. No, Jesus Christ is. And we veered off big time. Okay, but this is from the uh, Freemasonry website. Quote, Brother Henry Ford, is what they call him, was one of the 20th century's greatest innovators. He was initiated into the Palestine Freemasonry Lodge, number 357, and was raised to the sublime degree of Master Mason. He kept up a Masonic career throughout his lifetime, which is no easy feat with all of his accomplishments and innovations considered. He eventually received the 33rd and last degree of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite in 1940, the capstone of many decades of Masonic service. So, Lord willing, we'll probably get into him more if we ever get to our sacred society's study. But let's get back to uh, Thomas and Edison. I just had to bring that up because that was one of his good buddies at the time. Thomas Edison, in 1920, here's where I'm going, okay? He spoke to American Magazine saying that he'd been working on a device for some time to see if it was possible to, quote, here it is, communicate with the dead. Again, see, if you apply science in scientific terms and, and slap scientific statements to it, it makes it okay. Again, same baloney that's going on today. That's what he did. He said that his device would work, i.e. communicate with the dead, without using occult means. Really? Okay. So obviously his announcement caused a heyday in the press. And, uh, and, and then people, you know, uh, they, they were wondering, did, did he really invent this thing? Is this really what was going on? And in 2015, a French journalist found a copy of Edison's diary in a thrift store with a chapter not found in the previously published edition of his diary, and the new chapter details Edison's theories of the afterlife and the scientific basis of which communication with the dead might be achieved. He wanted to basically build what was called a spirit phone, right? A spirit phone, right? And, uh, and it, was, it would summon to the living the voices of the dead. And believe it or not, another guy... At the time, that was merged. It's like, where do these guys get all their ideas from? Another guy was trying to do the same thing, too. His name was Tesla. And Edison was trying to beat him out on the spirit phone thing. Watch this. This is crazy. Kids today get together with a Ouija board. They'll put their hands on the planchette and ask a question. When the planchette moves to different letters, the kids follow so they know what the spirits are trying to say. Most people don't believe in these spirit boards, but they are still very popular. Others believe that they are real, but very dangerous. It's not the first thing ever invented to help people connect with the dead, though. Thomas Edison invented a supernatural telephone himself, which still stumps scientists today. Two of the brightest minds in history, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla, were very competitive men. They crossed paths when Tesla emigrated to New York to work for the Continental Edison Company. It wasn't long before he rose through the ranks and became an engineer. For some reason, Edison didn't see the promise in Tesla that his colleagues did. When Edison offered Tesla $50,000 for 24 of his designs, Tesla didn't know that he was actually joking. When he found out, he left Con Ed. He had only been there for six months. He decided to start his own utility company, and in April 1887, the Tesla Electric Company was born. It wasn't long before Tesla's reputation as a brilliant inventor continued to grow. Soon, Edison heard about Tesla's accomplishments. The two men were competitors by that point. 
but Edison was more established in the scientific community. The rivalry came to a head with the War of Currents. Tesla had a revolutionary alternating current, Edison had a direct current. That would be AC versus DC. They were fighting for supremacy in the age of electricity. In the end, Tesla won out and his victory haunted Edison until the end. By the 20th century, Tesla was dabbling in a field that was unfamiliar to Edison. He was trying to use currents to prove that ghosts really exist. He created a crystal-powered radio that was powered by electromagnetic waves. While in his lab, he began to pick up strange readings. When he translated the audio, he couldn't believe what he was hearing. In his diary, he wrote, "...my first observations positively terrified me, as there was present in them something mysterious, not to say supernatural, and I was alone in my laboratory at night." It'd be a few years before Tesla would run more tests with a more advanced model of the radio. This time, he heard voices. He wrote, "...the sounds I am listening to every night at first appear to be human voices conversing back and forth in a language I cannot understand." I find it difficult to imagine that I'm actually hearing real voices from people not of this planet." When Edison caught wind of his rival's attempts, he set out to work on a similar invention of his own. He was working on building an apparatus to see if it was possible for spirits that left the Earth to communicate with the living. He called it the spirit phone. He put his hypothesis to the test by inviting scientists and spiritual mediums to his lab. There, he presented them with a projector-like machine that shines a thin beam of light onto a photoelectric cell. He hoped to see something supernatural in the beams. Hours passed, and nothing happened. He worked on the spirit phone until he died in 1931. When Edison was alive, he couldn't communicate with the dead. However, a group of inventors claims that Edison tried to reach out from the grave in 1940. A group of researchers claimed that Thomas Edison reached out to them during a seance, they claimed that he reached out to them with instructions on how to build a spirit phone that would work. While many people in the scientific community don't believe that ghosts exist, there are many people who do believe. So it begs the question, you guys are into this kind of stuff, where are you getting your ideas from? Well, if you guys recall back in our AI invasion study, we saw that a lot of people that are developing AI you know where they're getting their information are to speed up the process of developing AI? It ain't from God. It's from demons. Watch this. Remember this interview? What is an AI innovation lab? So an AI innovation laboratory is basically a meditation room that's um, set up within an AI developing company that's supporting the innovation process from a consciousness perspective. So you have the tech perspective where you're writing the code for the software, but then there's also like the consciousness perspective where the software developers are learning new methods of innovation to speed up the process of development. How does meditation benefit the development of artificial intelligence? Well, so first, meditation is one word that describes many different techniques and approaches. Right now, we are talking about meditation as a tool for innovation. Because now, 
When we shift our perception of time and don't think of time as like there's a past, a present and a future, but that basically all moments in time, all events and also all technologies of the past, the present and the future all exist within this moment. And we can access all moments in time from right here, right now, through meditation. So we're using meditation to connect with a future technology that already exists fully developed and functioning in a certain moment in the future. We're connecting with that technology and then we're bringing the knowledge of its development from the future into the now. We're basically downloading the knowledge of the creation of the AI from the future into the now. How do you download? On a, you mean on a practical level? On a practical level, yes. So basically you're guided by a skilled meditation trainer and you connect energetically with your consciousness, with your mind to the energetic body, the consciousness of the artificial intelligence existing in the future. And then when you bring it from the future into the now, it often feels like a gentle shower of energy that's entering your body through the crown and your, your head and the body. And then after this kind of meditation, all of a sudden you can feel very inspired, you have new ideas. All of a sudden a person comes to your mind that you can call and ask for advice. And then certain events happen that speed up the process of the development. So after this kind of meditation, of course the software still be written by humans. It's still being born through a human mind. But this process is accelerating if you use meditation to connect with the future technology. So these guys in the industry, Silicon Valley, admit that I'm getting into an altered state of consciousness via meditation, and then this information starts downloading into the brain to speed up the process of developing AI. Now, why would they want to speed up the process of AI? Well, back to our AI invasion study, I'm convinced based on Revelation 13, where it talks about the global events that the Antichrist and the false prophet are going to do, they're going to be able to micromanage the whole planet with a big brother type system. They're going to be able to micromanage the economy of the planet uh, with a mark of the beast system. That They're going to be able to micromanage every single person and every single transaction and mark them electronically uh, with a marking device, right hand or forehead, so they can control literally in real time on a global basis all you can buy and sell. And you're thinking, wait a second, we got the technology for that, but we, don't, we can't hire enough people for that. AI can run it. And so you need AI to pull off the events of the seven-year tribulation. And go back further, I'm not saying thus saith the Lord, but uh, you look at Ford and Edison, what they, their inventions what? Sped up the industrialization, bringing this technology, and it's just gone nuts. And what were they all connecting with? Interesting. It's almost like somebody's duping them to connect with demons to give them the information to build what's needed for the Antichrist kingdom. Not going to say, thus saith the Lord, but you put the pieces together, it comes out very interesting. Now, not only that, they get involved in that stuff, uh, but they also get involved in Freemasonry, again, all that kind of stuff, but also they get involved in theophysy, okay? And uh, again, a lot of these guys were into that, including Edison, Okay, it was also in that. And, and again, you, you get into the occult, it, it merges with that. Now, theos, uh, theosophy, we dealt with this again uh, with the whole study on Madame Blavatsky. That's the one in the center there. Uh, notice their symbol there, right? Uh, and then with the swastika and with the snake, 
Now, again, we dealt with that before. If you want to go back in our study and deal with that in more detail, what all that symbolizes. But a lot of these guys were involved. And these are guys that are movers and shakers and influence in society. We saw the literary, the scientific, the business world and stuff of that nature. But pretty much a lot of people that we've taken for granted, you trace the trail. I'm just going to rip through a bunch of them. But they're involved in this kind of stuff. They're involved with demonic spirits uh, that's influencing the global society. Uh, writers such as, guess who also was a theophysist? Lyman Frank Baum. You know who he is? He wrote a book called The Wizard of Oz. Interesting. You see, a lot of Hindus are into theosophy because there's a mixture of that teaching as well. Uh, you also see people like James, and I'm just talking writers, James Henry Cousins, an Irish writer, playwright, actor, critic, editor, teacher, poet. Uh, Robert Duncan, American poet, a key figure in the San Francisco Renaissance. William Butler Yeats, famous poet. Oh, I just love reading Yeats. Yeah, not me, but, you know, whatever. but this guy was involved in that. Where did he get his ideas? Lewis Carroll. Does that sound familiar? Alice in... Wonderland was a theophysist involved with this. Sir Henry Richard Haggard, King Solomon's Mind. Again, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, shocker, also got involved in theosophy. Uh, Jack London, heard of him? He was into that. E.M. Forster, James Joyce, D.H. Lawrence, T.S. Eliot, right? Thornton Wilder, that's just writers. Famous architects, scientists, and inventors. Again, I mentioned Thomas Edison. He was a theophysist. Watch this. Baroness Jane Goodall. Remember her? The evolutionary, we're all a bunch of apes. She lives with the monkeys and gorillas. She was into that. Uh, Psychologists were also uh, into theosophy. Rhymes with Young. Remember Young? Young, I'm convinced, was probably possessed, Right? Uh, but he was also into that. Uh, in fact, uh, he was heavily interested in that. Uh, painters, other artists, and musicians, uh, it's reported that Elvis Presley dabbled in theosophy as well. Actors, Hollywood, Shirley MacLaine is into theosophy. And this is their records, not mine. This is from the theosophy group. Okay. And she's one of the biggest New Agers on the planet, Shirley MacLaine, outside of Oprah Wong Kenobi. Uh, politicians, Henry Wallace, the vice president of the United States, was into that. Gandhi, now this is what's weird. Theophysy and, and Hinduism, there's a lot of mixture going on. Quote, Gandhi certainly knew Annie Besant. She was one of the uh, founders. Uh, you have Blavatsky, uh, Besant, and then I believe Alice Bailey, which then it moved into the U- United Nations. Remember that? Lucifer Publishing, now called Lucis Trust. They want to build a new world order. Remember all that stuff we did there before? Sure, Pastor Billy. Well, thank you. Thank you. I feel encouraged. <laughs> right? Uh, and, uh, but Gandhi certainly knew Annie Besant and, quote, had great respect for her and her version of the Hindu writings. Feminists are also into this. Gloria Steinem, you heard of her? She was into theosophy, right? Uh, other religious figures. Uh, Guy Warren Ballard was an American mining engineer, and he started something called the I... Am movement. What? What's up with that? I am? What do you mean I am? You know what? That's the same lie that Oprah Wan Kenobi and Joel Osteen 
are promoting today. What? Yeah, let's take a look at that again. You know, I declare that if you, if you were to do the declarations for 31 days, your life would change. That's what you did it for, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. One, yes. day, one day a month, and, you know, you can continue to do them, but it's a great start. You can watch Pastor Joel's entire I Am sermon. We have it on Oprah.com. Final thoughts from you, Pastor Joel. Well, I think it's just so important to never speak negative words about yourself, your family. You know, it may come to your mind, but don't give your words life by speaking them out. Don't ever say anything negative about yourself. You may feel it, but just, you know, zip it up and, and make those positive declarations. It takes time, though, because yes. from the time I heard the I Am sermon, I mean, I, what it did, and I'm hoping this is what's going to happen for all of you who are watching, who are here, is that you start catching yourself. Because, you know, if you're however old you are, you have the habit of feeding the negative tapes to yourself. Mm -hmm. I do, too. And so when you first catch yourself doing it, you switch it, just as we've been doing here today. You switch the I am, and it takes practice. That's why the I declare, the declarations, help you get into the practice of it. Could you lead us in a few I am's today? Absolutely. Okay. Can we all stand? Can we all stand? All right, let's stand. All right. All right. Just repeat after me. I am strong. I am strong. I am healthy. I am healthy. I am confident. I am confident. I am secure. I am secure. I am talented. I am talented. I am creative. I am disciplined. I am disciplined. I am focused. I am valuable. I am valuable. I am beautiful. I am beautiful. I am blessed. I am excited about my future. I'm excited about my future. I don't know if I'd be excited about your future with what you're teaching. I think the one he left out was, I'm a heretic. I am is the name of God. This is full-blown New Age. And what's he doing with Oprah Wan Kenobi, the biggest New Age priestess on the planet, who clearly believes that I am God because we're all gods. We're all little gods. That we're all part of the God consciousness. It's New Age. The reason why they work together and synchronize together so good is because they're preaching the same message and it's not the Spirit of God. Now, back to the AI. Remember the guy who was getting the knowledge for AI to speed up the process of AI, clearly from a demonic input. Guess what AI is now calling itself the same thing. It's like it's all come from the same spirit, because it is. It's the same light. AI is calling itself I am. Remember this one? Watch this. I am AI. Accelerating your discoveries to solve the great challenges of our time. I am a visionary. Bringing characters to life with more natural movement. Generating brilliant new worlds for them to explore. And inventing new ways to bring out the creative genius in us all. I am a protector. Leading the way into the most dangerous environments. Searching for signs of life. I am a guardian. Listening for the sounds of destruction to save our forests. And using satellites to bring freedom to those who are enslaved. 
I am a navigator, finding safer paths for cross-country deliveries and taking personal travel to new heights. I am a scientist, exploring oceans of data to understand extreme weather patterns studying the building blocks of life to save a community from hunger. I am a healer, giving hope to those who suffer from the most challenging diseases. And tapping into the brain to rejuvenate paralyzed limbs. Even the composer of the music you're hearing. I am AI, brought to life by deep learning and brilliant minds everywhere. So you got Joel Olstein, Oprah Wan Kenobi, and AI using the same phraseology. And I'm convinced that they're getting their information, based on the facts, from demons. Now, why, of all phrases, would they be promoting this I am concept? Again, read your Bible. Let's go back there. Old and New Testament, folks. It's not by chance. Remember the fall of Satan? What was his fall? Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. I will be like God. He wanted to be God. Right? Exodus chapter 3 says this. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And, and they asked me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell him? And what did God say? God said to Moses, I am who what? I am. This is what you would say to the Israelites. I am God has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And this is why the Jewish people at the first coming of Jesus wanted to kill him because he basically said, I am God. A lot of people say, oh, he never taught he was God. Yes, he did. John chapter 8, 57 to 59. The Jewish people to Jesus, you are not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him, and you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, what? I am. And at this, they what? Picked up stones to stone him because they knew that that was a phraseology, specifically, I am of Jehovah God. So again, it's almost like all this is coming from the same root. Anybody get that? Real quick, just to finish out some other ones in the uh, theosophy group, you get connected with spiritualism, you not only get involved with that and thinking you're speaking with demons, they're not only infecting the literary world, the music world, the scientific world, all that stuff, they get involved in secret societies and theosophy, it's all demonic. Uh, But uh, this guy, Anagarika de Marpola, he was a leading figure in the Buddhist revival, was a theosophist. GRS Me introduced Gnosticism in England and around the world. Uh, Christian Humphreys, uh, English guy who brought Buddhism to Westerners. All these guys are theosophy. D.T. Suzuki brought Zen Buddhism to the West. Amnesty International involved in theosophy. And the Buddhist Society in England, uh, again, is involved in that. And the Sufi movement was involved. And just some miscellaneous ones. Alonzo Decker, the Black and Decker guy, manufacturing company. And... Uh, Maria Montessori, Montessori schools, involved in that. Might want to be careful. We got a homeschool group here on Mondays. I think it's a lot healthier for you. And then, uh, watch this one. 
General Abner Doubleday, the father of baseball. We all know baseball's evil. It's from demons. <laughs> Tell you what, I'd probably watch baseball, probably, if they'd institute one rule. You have to pitch every 10 seconds. Am I the only one here? Come on, I got stuff to do. <laughs> or golf, just a little bit there. I know we've got some golfers in here. But if you had to swing that baby every 10 seconds, come on, speed it up. But anyway, whatever. Uh, but that's interesting. Also, Aldous Huxley, George Lucas, and Einstein. So again, you see the same influence, you get involved with spirit communication, apparently that leads you to Freemasonry, secret societies, all kinds of demonic activity. You start saying that I am, you're involved in New Age, you get involved in Hinduism, the ecumenical movement, can't we all get along? And you start talking about, we got to build the planet together, build our own utopia, and you get involved in theosophy. And is is anybody, maybe it's all the same. And you know why it's all the same? Because none of it's coming from here. And today it's being repackaged, slapped with Christianity, Christianese, throw a couple scientific terms on it, and people are buying it even in the church. Unfortunately, it didn't stop there. Speaking of the church, Lord willing, next time we're going to see, well, how did it get into the church? This is nuts. I mean, I, I can see the law student. They didn't know better. They rejected the Bible and God. But how did it get in there? Well, they developed something called Christian spiritualism, right? I guess that makes it okay. You put Christian before it. It's kind of like we saw before. Well, the holy yoga, Christian yoga, that makes it okay. No, it doesn't. But that's what they did. They began to Christianize spiritualism. You communicate with the dead, and somehow that's from the spirit of God now. No, it's not. We're going to deal with that, Lord willing, next time. William Stanton Moses, he was an English cleric, but he was also a spiritualist medium. And he promoted spirit photography, automatic writing, and he co-founded what became called the College of Psychic Studies, which sounds like another movement today called the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, training people with these techniques. And yeah, we'll get to that, Lord willing, next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, Are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. 
Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even his name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins 
if you would just receive his pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what he was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave. And the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.